Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Unfortunately, right now, the moment that we would normally be waiting for has not arrived because Jean-Jacques Taylor is going to join us by phone today. He is out of town on some work and he forgot his computer charging cable, so his laptop doesn't work. So we're not going to be able to do the podcast like we normally would, but we still wanted to stop down and give you guys uh, some Cowboys thoughts. We're going to get Jacques on the phone and chat with him for a bit. I'm going to talk a little bit about the national championship game coming up. It is Matt McLaren, and this will be Jam Session, the podcast version 331. Recording this on the heels of a colossally disappointing, what the hell was that? What do you even take away from the game, the final game of the regular season for the Dallas Cowboys? Just a disgusting, disgusting display I don't know what else to say. 26 to 6, the loss in Washington. They finished the regular season 12 and 5. Philadelphia did take care of business against New York. And of course, San Francisco easily handled Arizona. Philadelphia will be the one seed in the NFC, and San Francisco will be the two seed. And so, kind of what we all thought anyway coming into this thing is exactly the way that it's going to wind up. Dallas will travel to Tampa Bay where they will play the four seed, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next weekend in the wild card round. The 49ers will host a game. The Giants will play on the road in Minnesota against the Vikings. And of course, the Eagles will enjoy the only bye. Over in the AFC, we saw this earlier and we kind of had an idea of how this would play out as well. But for the most part, everything is wrapped up as we sit here. It's all said and done. We all know how this is at this point. Kansas City wraps up the one seed in the AFC, followed with Buffalo as the two and Cincinnati as the three with Los Angeles, Baltimore, Jacksonville, and the Miami Dolphins making the playoffs with a weird 11-6 win today. And then the Patriots lost to get them in. But We'll get into that a little bit, and and we'll have some thoughts throughout the course of the week as we start looking ahead to Tampa, who won the South. They finished 8-9. and They have a losing record. They win their division, and they will host the 12-4 and Cowboys. But before we get into anything, we've been telling you about Greening Law for some time. And Greening Law, many of you know I'm a client of Greening Law. I've been working with them for a year and a half. It's, It's something that if you've been hurt in a car accident, 
If you've experienced malpractice, if, if you've been injured on the premises of a business, you need to give Greening Law a call. And that's what I did. I was in a car accident that was not my fault. Somebody ran a light and smashed into me. I had to go to the hospital, all that type of stuff. And I'm still dealing with some fallout from all of that. The very next Monday, I called Greening Law. And I had my consultation. It's absolutely free. Anybody can have a free consultation with Greening Law. And they'll ask you some questions. And if you've got a case, they'll bring you on. And they only get paid if you get compensated. And I can tell you this, having gone through the process, I don't know how you can navigate this type of thing without somebody like Robert Greening in your corner, knowing how to do things, knowing where to go, really being your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. They go to bat for you. So what are you waiting for? Again, the consultation is free. So give them a call. It's 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. And again, Jacques will join us, but this will be a mostly Matt McLaren podcast here this evening as Jacques is going to jump on and we'll get his thoughts. Uh, The unfortunate thing of him not being able to charge his laptop. So we're going to have to have him on the phone, which will be super exciting for everybody, I'm sure. You look at this. I I don't know what to make of this. It's it's unacceptable. It's disgusting. Dak Prescott was was straight garbage. Dak Prescott was diarrhea left out in the sun until it rotted and somebody threw rotten eggs and rotten bananas on top of it and made a quarterback. That was Dak Prescott today. He was trash. Dak Prescott was the worst quarterback in the NFL today. 14 of 37 is disgusting. 128 yards. He averaged 3.5 yards per attempt. I didn't even know that was possible. Garbage. Threw a pick six. Garbage. Should have thrown a pick six on the throw before that. I don't even know what the hell he was trying to do. Garbage. Horrible, horrible effort from the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback today. A 45.8 quarterback rating for the game is just, it's disgusting. And the whole team, I mean, it started off that way. It started off from the get-go when you saw the Cowboys on their first offensive series, like, okay, this is going to be ugly. And then Brian Anger is looking at the ball, hits him in the hands. And next thing you know, you gift Washington an opportunity to get into the end zone. And then what happens? The defense comes to play. And for the most part, the defense, for the most part, was solid today. I mean, hell, anytime you you have another team that's starting two drives inside the 30 or whatever it was, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous to see this type of an effort from the Dallas Cowboys today. So many of the miscues, so many mistakes, a missed extra point, god-awful quarterback play, turnovers, and just absolute disgust. But the one thing I think that there's actually a couple of things that we have to fear here. This inability to run the football is something because what do they tell you in the playoffs? What travels in the playoffs? Defense in the run game. Cowboys don't have a run game. The Dallas Cowboys today, Tony Pollard, seven for 19. Zeke Elliott, eight for 10. Overall, the Dallas Cowboys today, 27 rush attempts for 64 yards. That's 2.4 per with a long from Dak of nine. Zeke's long was four. Tony Pollard's long was five. They can't run the football. And the problem was is that the front that Washington deploys, as good as they are up front with those guys that they have on that defensive line, Tampa Bay's got a front equally as good. Tampa Bay is capable of doing some of those things up front that Washington did today that the Cowboys offensive line just had no answers for. Dak was under constant pressure. He got hit multiple times. He got sacked a handful of times. 
Well, I guess technically he only got sacked once. It felt like he was going to get sacked more than that. You know, it's just one of those things where you look at this and you go, what in the world was that that we just watched today? The only saving grace, if you don't want to put too much weight in the finale, and I had, I had tweeted this out towards the end of the game, and this is reality. The Cowboys lost their first playoff game at home last year to San Francisco. They won their season finale last year, 51 to 26. They blew out Philadelphia. Two weeks prior to that, they blew out Washington 56 to 14. So in two of their final three games last year, they scored over 50 points in blowouts. They looked fantastic in the final year, final game of the year last season, and then promptly came into Dallas and watched San Francisco thump them. So I don't know how much weight you want to put into this thing. I don't even know that you watch the tape. You just burn this, throw it away, and move on. They never could find a way to get any type of momentum going. It was ugly. It's by far, I think it's uglier than the opener against Tampa Bay. And I know that they scored three points in that game. They got six points tonight, but it felt like an uglier watch. And to bookend your season with that ugly-ass loss to Tampa Bay to open the year and an ugly-ass loss to Washington to close the year, it's just, it's very, very strange. And this is now the second consecutive game that we have seen the Cowboys struggle to run the football with any type of consistency, especially on first down. A lot of first down runs that went nowhere here this afternoon and into the evening that obviously set up what? Second and longs, third and longs. And then when you get quarterback play the way that you got the quarterback play, it was just, it was gross. And I really don't know what else to say. Just God awful, absolute disgust grossness all across the board today from the Dallas Cowboys. And and, again, if you want to look at any type of positive, I guess you can sit here and say that for the defense, there were some positives, but again, they were playing Sam Howell, who was making his first ever career NFL appearance and Sam Howell was okay. Jarrett Patterson still ran 17 times for 78 yards. McLaurin had that deep catch. We saw that the opposite, and we knew this, The opposite corner from Trayvon Diggs is going to be a problem. And when you play some of these teams, and perhaps you're familiar with Tampa Bay, when you play a team like that, that is capable of having a variety of weapons in Tampa with the way that they do things with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Russell Gage and Julio Jones, I mean, and again, They've got different guys they can do, and all it takes is a player or two on the opposite side against whoever they want to roll out there at cornerback now to, in the playoffs, be the difference between winning and losing. So the frustration is extraordinarily high, as you can probably sense in my voice. This is not the way that you want to go into the playoffs with, again, hands down the worst offensive performance of the season, not even close. Hands down. And for a Cowboys offense who had been dominating and had been tops in the NFL since Dak had come back to see what they did today. I mean, their previous low for offensive yardage was that Rams game that they had in which they won. What was that? The 22 to 10 game back in October when they put up 239. They put up 182 yards of offense today. 2.8 yards per play. No one on offense was respectable today. No one. Maybe you want to say C.D. Lamb was. He had a 15-yard catch. He had five for 52 in the touchdown. You know, T.Y. Hilton, 
And I will say Dak had actually a couple of passes that he had in those deep passes. T.Y. Hilton had one hit him in the hands which would have been a huge game. Didn't catch it. Noah Brown, granted the coverage was there. Dak put that ball out where Noah Brown's got to make a play on that deep ball. Went right through his hands. You saw drops. You, you saw just disconnect grossness. Absolute horrible effort across the board with everyone associated on offense and special teams. The boneheaded muff punt by Turpin. The punt play that we talked about a moment ago from Brian Anger. I, I just don't know where you get the positives on this thing other than the fact that Odigizua got a sack. Hooker got an interception in the end zone. Micah ends up with a half sack here. Sam Williams got a sack. And you saw the defense make some plays to try and hold them into this thing as long as they possibly could. But in the end, I mean, they just got nothing. I mean, four of 18 on third down from the offense. What is that? And this had been the number one third down offense in the NFL coming into this game. It, it just feels like such an anomaly that I don't know that you circle anything or you take anything away from this. You just, like I said, you take it for what it is and you get set to move on. And Tampa will be next. And we'll see what they've got when they head to Tampa. It, it, it's just, it's, it's, inex, it's inexplicable. It truly is I'm trying to wrap my mind around this, but it's just, it's absolutely inexplicable. And that's the only, just watching this game today, I just kept thinking, I don't know how much we can put in. As Nick on Twitter tweets in, he says, when I say the finale doesn't carry too much weight, he says it doesn't. If Dallas would have won today, people will just spin it and say, oh, well, they just beat a bad Washington team with the backup QB, and those same people will count them out next week anyways. And I will say that. I don't know why so many of you are so damn negative all the time. I mean, the Cowboys have the most negative fan base of all time. And I get it. I'm a Cowboy fan. I grew up in a Cowboy family. I understand that. Because we're sick and tired of going to the playoffs and watching what happened last year against San Francisco when you got a home playoff game. Or in 2016 when you're the number one seed and, and, and you've got, you went 13-3 and three and you've got a home playoff game and Aaron Rodgers comes in and breaks your heart. I get it. We're sick and tired of and th this whole thing with the one and done and the whole idea that this team can't win a playoff game. Because until they show us that they can do this, nobody's going to believe in them. But is that going to make you happy just beating Tampa next week? If they lose in the divisional round, is that, is that what it would take? I don't know that that's enough. I completely understand the heartbreak and the frustration. But try and at least have some semblance of positivity. Instead of the constant negative harping. Oh, this team sucks. This team can't beat anybody. This team's not any good. Hell, I had a buddy who was texting me. He's like, well, so much for next weekend. Tampa's going to, I was like, why do you think Tampa's going to win? They're an eight and nine football team. They're not that good. Yeah, they do some things that Dallas will have problems with, but Dallas can do some things that Tampa's going to have problems with. I don't know why it's just a given Dallas is going to go and lose on the road to Tampa. Now you want to bring up, well, I'll tell you why they're not going to win on the road because they haven't done it since 1992. They don't win road playoff games. Okay. But those guys that were on those teams aren't all the same guys that are on this team. It's not the same coach. So I'm going to try and stay positive. I, I do believe the Cowboys can get a playoff win. I don't think, and I didn't think this coming in, I don't know that they're as good. I don't think they're as good as San Francisco right now. 
I don't know that they're as good as Philadelphia, especially with Jalen Hurts back and healthy. I think those are, there's a reason why they're the one and two seed. I do think they're the two best teams in the NFC. And if you're going to have to play one of those teams in the second round on the road is going to be a difficult battle for you, but you got to get past Tampa Bay first. You have to make sure that that happens. All right, we're going to get Jacques here on the phone, but before we do that, I want to tell you about Brews Biltong, and I hope you guys are having an opportunity to try Brews and you're ordering some of this because Biltong, it's like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. Jacques and I both really enjoy it. I think it's better than beef jerky. Once you have Biltong, it's hard to go back to beef jerky because it's more tender. It's more savory. It's extremely healthy. And I've mentioned this a couple of times, but for those of you that are starting New Year's plans and you're eating a little bit better or trying to eat healthier, Biltong is right up your alley. And Brews Biltong is where you want to go. It's online at B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. You get 15% off your order when you use the promo code JAM15. They got these two ounce snack bags, 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. Absolutely delicious. And you're really going to enjoy it. Plus, We've had Steve, the owner of Bruce Biltong, on the podcast a couple of times. He's a good dude. And we continue to be the only podcast that he's ever worked with. And the only podcast that he does work with is us because you guys have given him such a great response. It's a great partnership. So keep it up. Order some Biltong for yourself. Order it for a friend, a family member. It's Bruce Biltong online at BruceBiltong.com. And also, of course, Jacques usually tells you about Freeway Tire Shop because he's taking his car over there all the time. I mean, Jacques is driving all over the country. I don't know how many of you guys realize the amount of miles that that dude has traveled in the last four or five months is unbelievable. So there's a reason why he's constantly over there at Freeway because, I mean, there are times this, this year where he'd be back and forth to Jackson a couple of times a week, just racking up mileage on his car. You got to get tires. You got to get your oil change. When you're driving that much, you're making sure your car is up to, sa- up to shape. And that's what JR is all about. The customer service you experience at Freeway Tire Shop is elite. But the fact that he stands behind his work, that you can trust what he does, and that if he thinks that something's wrong, he's going to make it right for you. I mean, that's how this thing works, man. JR, we finally found the mechanic you can trust. It's Freeway Tire Shop. It's for whatever you need. All of us have to get state inspections in the state of Texas. Everybody needs oil changes and alignments. Eventually, at some point, you got to go and get new tires. And yes, some of those things are the frustrating headaches of life. So why not make it as easy as you possibly can? And when you're taking it somewhere, get treated right. That's Freeway Tire Shop. JR and his crew, they're going to get you taken care of. Make sure you mention that you heard about them on Jam Session. He listens. He'll chat with you. He loves talking Cowboys. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can schedule an appointment or request a quote. Just jump online at FreewayTireShop.com. All right. Well, here he is joining us now via phone from somewhere up north. It is Jean-Jacques Taylor. (laughs) What's up, buddy? We don't have to be that secretive. I'm in the big city, the Big Apple. And, uh, you know, we can talk a little bit about it next week. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about it next week. But, I mean, you watched it. I watched it. it, it it's – I, I kind of let off just – I mean, that that was disgusting. It, it was the worst game we've seen them play all season. And, obviously, going into the playoffs, it's probably not going to help an already overly negative fan base have a lot of belief in this thing. Nah, it ain't going to do that, bro. Ain't going to do that at all. And it, it's really not going to do that because, um, you know, what was it? Uh, you know, San Francisco took care of their business and, and, and blew out a bad team. Uh, 
you know, what was I can't remember the score. I, I, I think it was 38, 38 to 13. 13. Yeah. You know, Philadelphia controlled their game for most of the day before they let the Giants get just close enough to think they had some hope before they beat them. Uh, and those teams did what they were supposed to do and looked the way they were supposed to look for the most part. And then, man, your Dallas Cowboys, my God, they'd have been really better off not even playing their guys. Yeah. Um, and they could have got this result. And, uh, you know, I think if, if, if you know, the troubling thing will be that's two weeks in a row going into the playoffs that they played poorly. Um, you know, my theory uh, is probably that um, they knew in their heart of hearts that uh, they weren't going to take the division this week. So they were a little a little out of sorts in terms of preparation. I mean, you can talk it all you want to, but there's a difference. But secondly, man, and more importantly, I think that offensive line has been shuffled a bit. And uh, they haven't been able to get anything going with their running game. And that sets up all the rest of their offense. And without that, you know, they're just kind of lost right now. But that's just a theory. They, I mean, they play like shit, and uh, there's no way to get around it. Yeah, they they were really, really bad, man. And, and you know, offensively, the defense, at least for, for the most part, I mean, for a team that had two drives that started that deep in, ter- in the Dallas territory, the defense, I thought, held up as long as they could. But yeah. I mean, I was going through some of the numbers. I mean, obviously, it's it's the lowest amount of yardage of the season, two point eight yards per play. Dak threw thirty seven times, completed fourteen passes, and they ran that graphic on Fox. The lowest completion percentage of his career. It was like three point five yards per attempt. I mean, if that was Dak, if that was the only game you've ever seen Dak Prescott play, you go, how in the hell is that guy in the NFL? No, it was, I mean, there's no words for how bad they played today. They had poor stretches before, and then they find a rhythm and come out of it, and they look like the Cowboys' offense. Uh, they never found that rhythm today. It was just pathetic, man. Uh, the receivers couldn't get open. That's one reason there were so many uh, pass deflections by Washington, because they weren't creating any separation. Uh, there were some opportunities to make some plays, and Dak missed some throws, and when he did make some throws, guys didn't help him by making catches. It was just complete, total poop, man. Uh, there's there's just no other way to say it. It was pathetic. It was awful. It was terrible. Whatever negative adjective you want to come up with ain't strong enough for the way they look tonight. Yeah, and, you know, you bring up the thing with the offensive line, and I think that going up against a team like Tampa, because, yes, Tampa's 8-9. and nine. They finished with a losing record. But Tampa does have a good front, and much like Washington has a good front. They've got some defensive pieces It'll be interesting to see because Washington, I mean, even when they were trying to pass the ball and granted Dallas found itself in a lot of second and third and long situations tonight, but it just felt like anytime Washington wanted to get in the backfield and make life hard on Dak or stop a run, they were able to do so with relative ease. Yeah, man, you hope that, uh, you hope they can get back to their regular offensive line next week, uh, with Biotis at center. And, uh, you know, even Connor, uh, whatever his last name is. Uh, McGovern, yeah. You know, I always get him in the, in the MMA fighter mixed up. And uh, with the way today is gone, my brain ain't working all that great. And then, uh, you know, Tyler Smith back at, uh, back at left tackle and get some kind of semblance of normalcy back because that group was working pretty good until, uh, until they had the injuries. Um, you know, but that's what you hope, man. But, I mean, I talked to a few people off the ledge on Twitter, but, you know, people have, you know, the the last 25 years have been so hard on fans that they just have no confidence. Mm. 
And after a game like this, followed up by, you know, preceded by a game like last week, they really had no confidence. Um, and so we'll see, man, because, you know, typically the Cowboys have played pretty good when uh, when people think that they aren't worth a shit and, and that things are going to go bad for them. And so they, maybe they'll come out and they'll have something to prove against Tampa next week. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, uh, Tampa, out of their seven, well, I guess their, their however many games it was, yeah, 17 games that they played this year. I mean, you look at it, and really only a couple of teams were able to, to run. San Francisco ran all over them, and the Ravens ran all over them. I mean, the last time we saw, and granted, it was the first game of the year going way back, but Dallas was only able to muster up 71 yards on the ground the first time that they played them. And this is a Tampa team that really, for the most part, all season was solid against the run and in and, and times better than solid. I mean, they, they only allowed eight teams to rush for over 100 yards on them, which means that even though they finished with a losing record, for the most part, they were able to hold teams under 100 yards rushing. You know, they they today they played the Falcons and the Falcons were able to have a lot of success running the football on them. But again, like Tom Brady only played the first quarter. They didn't care at all about this game, so they weren't really trying much. It, it's just, it's going to be an interesting matchup. And, and not only is it that with the front that Tampa can bring and some of the offensive line questions that you hope Dallas will be able to solve, but you look at this, that that core, and we knew this was going to be a problem, but that spot opposite Trayvon Diggs, man, it, they keep they keep rotating guys. They keep trying to find somebody who can make a play and not get burned. And now you got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Russell Gage and and, and that whole slew of Tampa Bay receivers coming in. Hey man, you know at one level, some of us, including me and Matt, tried to tell y'all Anthony Brown was a an above average NFL corner, which means he gives up a few plays, but he makes some plays. And that there's a difference between an above-average corner and an average corner and an above-average corner and a below-average corner. And now you guys are seeing it, and now maybe you'll understand. There's only a few Dion's in the house, man, who don't get beat. Uh, but, dude, Mullins got his butt roasted several times a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nation Wright is who he is. He's just a guy, uh, you know. And the problem for the Cowboys will be that Tom Brady is so good and so smart that he'll just attack that guy every time. You can't hide him. You know what I mean? And so the only way to compensate for that is the pass rush is going to have to get him off his spot and make him move and uh, and make him vulnerable. Um, you know, that's to me is how you have to stop uh, their offense because they're going to attack that corner because Tom Brady is just smart enough to do that, bro. I mean, not that it takes rocket science. Any of us could look out there and see that it needs to be done. Yeah, and as I'm sure most are aware, I mean, Tom Brady is like any of those other, you know, Peyton Manning used to be like this. Eli was like this for a while. As they got later in their career and they, they don't move at all, they just get the ball out real quick. You know, it's, it's hard yeah. to bring down Tom Brady because he'll just get rid of the ball really, really quickly. It, it felt like the Cowboys had a little bit more of a pass rush today than we had seen in the last few games. I mean, I think they finished with three sacks. You saw Mark, Micah getting some pressure and all that. They got a little bit more pressure back there, but I mean, Tom Brady's not Sam Howell. I mean, Tom Brady will recognize this and he gets rid of the ball really quickly. It's hard to affect that dude, as we know. But if you can, I mean, Tom Brady, historically in his career, if you can affect him in the pocket, we've seen what happens when you can do that to him. No, that's going to be the game plan. Uh, you know, so much of football, man, is about matchups. 
this is not really a good matchup for the Cowboys uh, because what they do well, throw the ball, is what the Cowboys don't do well. And what they do well on defense, which is stop the run, is what the Cowboys do do well. That being said, you're 12-4, they're 8-9. and They've played like shit all year for the most part. Uh, they've not been a good team. I bet if we go back and look, man, those eight wins, probably four or five of them came in the last two minutes. Uh, I mean, they've just been bad all year for the most part. And, um, you know, there's a chance for the Cowboys to go win. Yeah, I mean, that's... Otherwise, uh, dude, the offseason is going to be terrible. <laughs> it It is. It is going to be terrible. And, you know, I, I was just looking this up because I figured they had to be at the at the bottom of the league. But Tampa coming into the weekend and Brady didn't get sacked today. So, yeah. So Tampa allowed the fewest sacks of any team in the NFL this season. They allowed 20, uh, yeah. 22 sacks. Brady was sacked 22 times in 17 games. Not much. Nope. Not much at all. Not much at all. But you can affect him. Um, you know, because he does get rid of the ball, and he ain't trying to get hit. So, you know, there there are opportunities there. And if this pass rush that we saw the first 12 games shows up, then they'll affect him, man, and, and they'll have a shot. And if it doesn't, well, they, they're going to have some problems because he's going to pick them apart. Yeah, and it, it is wild because, again, to your point, I mean, when you look at this, and that was the fear, it's Brady, it's these receivers – against the, whoever Dallas is going to roll out there on that other corner. The reality of it is, like, like Tampa doesn't run the football well at all. They're the worst rushing team in the NFL. They're averaging barely over 76 yards a game on the ground, and they rely on the pass. I mean, that's what they do, and they can do it with a variety of weapons in a variety of different ways. They're great in pass protection. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Cowboys hold up against that when we have seen time and time again since Anthony Brown has gone down that whoever they put out over there and see that's where this game gets scary to me a little bit I think is even even if it's just twice in the game if whoever is guarding the the, whether it's Godwin or Gage whoever they're going to put on the other side of Mike Evans you know you kind of trust okay Diggs is on Evans maybe he can shut him down but even it's like we saw today what what if it's just one catch for 57 yards and then that leads to a scoring drive, and that's the drive that wins the game for them. Right. You know? You make And that's, that's my biggest fear with this. You know, in, in, look, to your, to your point. Let me tell you this, though, bro. Yeah. It's, we can talk about that all we want to, to me. And you obviously are free to disagree. But the game ain't going to be won or lost on defense. It's going to be won or lost on offense. The team has slipped during the season. It was a defensive-dominated, defensive-centric mm-hmm. team early. Uh, and it needed to be, and it did, uh, when Dak was hurt and uh, Cooper Rush came in and played just well enough to help him go 5-1. and one. Well, at some point it flipped when Dak came back and they started putting up numbers. And uh, now it's more of an offensive-led team because the defense has been struggling. Um, the offense has got to score and the offense has got to do a lot better than they've been doing lately. Uh, they don't have to score as 29 points, which is their average. But they got to be in the mid-20s, man, to have any shot to win. And so, to me, it's it's about this offense finding itself and finding the groove and making plays. Yeah, and that's the, the flip side with Tampa. Tampa has a good defense. They do. That, that's The reason why they won eight games is because of their defense, because you look at Tampa's offense, they only had two games all season, two games out of 17, where they scored more than 23 points in a game. I mean, this is not a Tampa offense that puts up a lot of points. I mean, they won 
they won four games this year scoring less than 20 points. Right. Because their defense can make some plays for them. And, you know, again, it, I don't know. Anytime you're eight and nine, it's not like Tampa has something that's really elite. They have a solid defense who can make some plays. Obviously, we know what Tom Brady is capable of, especially in the playoffs. But it, it's just it, the energy behind what we saw tonight just leaves us in a really dark place. But you saw my tweet that I put out as I tried to remind people a year ago, the Cowboys in two of their final three games, they beat Philadelphia the third to last game of the season. What was that? That was 56 to 14. And in the finale, everybody forgot this. In the finale against the or no, the finale was Philadelphia last year. So they beat Washington 56 to 14 in the third to last game. In the last game of the year, they beat Philadelphia 51 to 26, I think it was. Every, oh man, 51. Oh, they are rolling. Here we go. And then promptly lose at home to 49ers in the first playoff game. So I don't know. I don't know that the finale carries all this weight that so many people on social media want to try and, and make it carry the way that they played today. I would say in, uh, in all seriousness, it doesn't. Uh, I'm going to raise another issue, though. Uh, they've had elite special teams most of the year. They were yeah. god-awful today. My God. Uh, you know, I love Turpin, but, dude, this whole muff-the-punt thing, come on, bro. You're only, you got one job, really. Yep. It's catch the ball. You do something after that, that's a bonus. But uh, he's had too many muffs lately because more than one for a guy who's supposed to be an elite returner is too many. Um you know, I think Brian Anger, he dropped the snap. I think that whole team today was just lack of focus, lack of intensity. Um, even the extra point. Now, this is just me because I haven't heard anything. That, to me, looked like a bad snap to throw off the timing just to hitch and just to tick, and that may be why he hooked it a little bit because the snap was kind of shady. Um, but, you know, just the whole special teams thing was awful today. I mean, they literally played bad in just about every facet of the game. <laughs> yeah. They did, man. And to they, a team that had nothing to play for. Yeah. And that that's, I think, just, you know, and you brought it up earlier, seeing that Philadelphia went in and took care of business against the Giants, seeing what San Francisco was able to do to Arizona, who's not a good team, and then watching – Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. I mean, across the board – I mean, even in the AFC, some of the teams that won today that had to do what they needed to do for playoff positioning and were able to take care of what they needed to take care of, whether it was Buffalo or you can go to Cincinnati beating Baltimore, even Pittsburgh, who didn't know whether winning would matter for them or not. And it ended up not, but they won. And then to see that happen and you watch what we saw with Dallas and it's just inexplicable. Like, I, 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 I don't know that I've ever seen Dak play that bad. That might have been the worst game I've ever seen him play. Uh, you know me, man. I hate to be prisoners of the moment, but I'm not disputing you. And I'm saying it like this. We probably have to go back to year two to find anything close. Before the Amari Cooper showed up. Because he had some bad games then. Yeah. But, uh, dude, he was just awful today. Just awful. Yeah. I don't really have an explanation for it. I mean, he was just awful. <laughs> it, and it was just so strange because, you know, they were talking about it on the broadcast that – at what point do you get the starters out of there, but you don't want them to, to pull from a game like this. You want them to try and get some momentum, have something positive happen for them. And it just never did. I mean, it that drive to end the first half 
was the only thing positive that this offense did all day. And part of that was because Washington was playing in a previous defense, just trying to keep everything in front of them. And they were able to dink and dunk their way down the field. But yeah, I mean, you look at this, this was the third lowest quarterback rating that he's ever had in a single game. The other two were from year two to your point in a loss to Philadelphia where they got blown out. And then in his rookie year in a loss to the Giants in which he completed 45% of his passes. Those are the only two games where he had a, a worse quarterback rating than what he put up today. Yeah, see, I, I was going to make to see uh, what his worst completion percentage uh, was. That Giants game was obviously 17 out of 37. But, you know, he's really such an accurate passer. He doesn't have many games like this. Yeah, man. That's that, – I mean, he just – And like you said, look, there's a couple of plays, guys drop balls. I mean, he threw two really nice deep balls today. The one on the sideline to Hilton, I I have no idea how Hilton doesn't catch that. I mean, it hit him in both of his hands. And then the one that he threw down the the middle deep to Noah Brown would have been a tough catch, yes. But I thought Noah Brown mistimed his dive for that because that ball went right through his hands. And Dak put it out where only Noah Brown could make a play on it. And just no, like you said, nobody played good. Nobody made any plays on offense whatsoever from the play caller and Kellen Moore. You know, Mike McCarthy took the blame for this, saying that it's his fault. He didn't have him prepared. He didn't have this. It, it, it's it's just inexplicable. Of all the things I thought might happen today, what I watched tonight was not at all. It, it, I wouldn't have even dreamt that they would look that horrible. That was like a nightmare, a nightmare that I can't even fathom that I would ever have about how bad they look today. No, no, I, I didn't think it was possible, bro. I mean, I really did. I mean, you know, somebody who was that? Dean Blevins, of all people, uh, who did play-by-play during the Switzer year. <laughs> He's yeah. like, this is the worst offensive performance I've ever seen. I was like, you're being a prisoner of the moment, bro. Uh, and, you know, I was like, go back to uh, 31 nothing against Tennessee on Christmas Day in the, uh, you know, 01 or 02. You know, there's 27 to nothing to Ray Lewis and the Baltimore Ravens one year. I mean, so, I mean, they've looked bad before. This is just as bad as they've looked recently and uh, probably as bad as they've looked with a good team. But, you know, I always I, I'm, I always understand the overreaction, but I try not to go. What happened? Did you mute yourself? What was that? Oh, I, I didn't hear you for a second there. You dropped out. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe you accidentally hit mute on your phone wouldn't be the first time I do that sometimes you're talking to somebody and they have no I I did that on a radio interview I was on the air somewhere I think in Little Rock and it it kept I kept accidentally muting the phone with my cheek on the mute button (laughs) and it was driving me nuts because I thought it was on their end and I was getting all pissed off and then I finally realized I was like oh my god you got I apologize I I just realized that I keep hitting the mute button with my face (laughs) on accident (laughs) I was like what are these guys doing but it, it, it's a downer. There's, I'm not even going to, and I usually will try to find something positive to, to take out of a game. I have no clue what it would be from this other than, yeah. you know, Micah got another half sack and Sam Williams added another sack for himself this year. Good for him. And Pollard barely got over a thousand yards. Yep. I mean, Zeke, you know, somebody said Zeke's done. I go, you really think Zeke is an eight carry for 10 yard guy? I mean, you think <laughs> that's all Zeke? I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. What holes did you see there? Like, I'm not saying this is nine. I'm not saying this is 2016 Zeke by any stretch, or 2017 or 2018 Zeke. I ain't saying that. Yeah. I'm like, but come on, man. That guy's actually been pretty good this year. 
And when he gets eight carries for 10 yards, there's nothing there. There's no holes there. Okay, so, okay, Zeke is done. Tony Pollard, man. What was he, like, seven for 19? Yeah, but he wasn't any better. I guess he's done, too. He had a longer five. So what I'm saying is there was no holes there, bro. Yeah. There's nothing to run to. They got beat on the line of scrimmage. I mean, it just – it was um, – this game ain't even worth watching, bro. I tossed this aside and get started on Tampa. Wouldn't even think about this game. Yeah, that's kind of what I would do. But in the in the regular season, so Micah with the half sack finishes with 13 and a half sacks for his season. Dorrance Armstrong, that would be eight and a half sacks. You look at Sam Williams, who I thought flashed that he may develop into a little something. And, and he got limited opportunities, but seemed to take advantage of that as the, as the year went on. He has four sacks on the season. So, you know, there, defensively, there were some positives, I guess, if you want to take away from that. But other than that, like, yeah, just flush this down the toilet, get off the pot and, and move on to Tampa. <laughs> I, I, what do you think, based on what happened here, if they go to Tampa next week and we see a similar thing or similar to what we saw the first time they played Tampa, where it's something, you know, it's 21 to six or something like that against Tampa, do you think that that would put McCarthy's job in jeopardy at all? That's a good question. I've been arguing with some of my friends about that. I would think not because. You know, you just can't keep changing coaches. Yeah. So, okay, who do you want? And let's get out of the Sean Payton conversation. Are you going to pay draft picks for Sean Payton? Because my suspicion is no. No, yeah. And, and, you know, this is just me, although I have spoken to Sean Payton in the last month. How about that, man? Oh, look at you. Breaking news. Yes, I called him up and he called me back. How about that? That's nice of him. But, you know, the way he's operated, I don't know that he wants to come work for the Cowboys. You know, everybody says Cowboys want him. I don't know that he wants to work for the Cowboys. Yeah. Because he's used to a certain level of autonomy that you cannot have in Dallas. And so I don't, I don't know by any stretch that he wants to coach here. So that being said, who, who's the guy you're going to get? You go, oh, yeah, this guy's much better than, you know, consecutive 12-win season Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, think the answer I agree. There's uh, nobody. <laughs> yeah, it's you like, know, all this, he's got to get to the playoffs. And, you know, my whole answer to that is, man, really, man, this, is, this is your boy here. You're trying to punish him for the sins of other coaches. And that, to me, is it. And you can't hold him accountable for the fact that the last 25 years has stunk. He only gets credit for the last three. And one of those, he didn't have his quarterback. So, I mean, you know. He's done a good job. I have not always been a Mike McCarthy fan, but I think I don't know how you can look at the season the last two years ago. He's not done a good job. Yeah, I I would agree with you. And and I had a couple of the guys in my fantasy league. They're like, well, I guess after next week we'll have a new coach and be looking for. All. I was like, why why would they get rid of him if they lose to Tampa? And like, well, you can't keep him if he can't. I was like, to me, is it not the coach's job to navigate the entirety of the season and put your team in the the players still got to make the plays. I. I that's like a one-game scenario to me when you look at the totality of the last two years. Do we honestly think that they would get rid of a guy who just led them to the playoffs for the first time in back-to-back seasons since 05, 06, and their first 10-plus wins in back-to-back years since 95, 96? Like, like at least you're, he's putting you in the conversation. 
And if they can consistently do that, then you can, at some point, I think if you don't have the playoff success, if you won and done it, you know, like if they lose this year to Tampa, it's a disappointment. There's just no other way around it. it, To me, it's a failed season. If you don't win a playoff game this year, you failed the season. And then I wonder like going into next year in 23, is there that thought of, okay, look, year four, you got to start winning in the playoffs. At some point you have to win in the playoffs. Well, see, that's always an interesting question because, yes, at some point you have to win in the playoffs, but at some point you got to get your ass in the playoffs. We haven't seen that on a consistent level in Dallas. So, you know, I think all things are always – everything's just relative. You know, if you lose on a 62-yard field goal at the buzzer, that's different than if you get beat 44-6. to six. It just all depends. Uh, you know, somebody said today, this is our McCarthy and the coaches. You have to get your team ready to play. And I'm like, how come it ain't on the players for playing like shit? Yeah. I mean, how come it's not on the players? You know, people are always so quick to blame the coaches. And sometimes the coaches deserve blame. But sometimes it's okay to say these players collectively as a unit, as a group, play like shit today. And, and they, you think McCarthy yeah. told them, hey, you guys, you guys go out there and stink it up today. <laughs> nah, he gave them all his best material, told them to get focused, told them what they could do. It didn't look great, but what if what if the impossible happened and the Giants won? And what if it was there for us to take the number two seed? Blah. I mean, he gave them all those, you know, loop rocking speeches. And they just laid an egg this week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like McCarthy's out there like, you know, hey, Anger, all right, now on our first series, when, when you ha- if we have to punt with you, go ahead and mess it up because I want to test our defense. Yeah, bro. You I know? mean, it's just like, – like, you know, I, I never mind blaming a coach, but I think the coach is the reason why they're winning a league. Well, I mean, quite honestly, like, like so apparently this is Dak's direct quote. He was asked about his play today, and Dak said, shitty. Simple as that. It's hard to explain. Not good enough. Just couldn't get off on the right foot. And he's right. I mean, the whole team. I mean, my God, the three and outs, the inability to do anything. And that's what like there's so many things that we haven't seen since maybe going all the way back to the season opener. But we're talking about a team that had the number one scoring offense in the NFL since Dak came back. Number one on third down. They went four of 18 on third down today. I mean, it's just like we just haven't seen them do these things really at all. It was just so weird. It was a weird ass, just horrible, god awful game. And you got that vibe very early on because even Washington was making weird mistakes. And it just seemed like, my God, this is going to be sloppy. Please don't get anybody hurt. Yeah. And they lose. No. Nope. They lose. They lost and they lost badly. Yeah. <laughs> And now we'll we'll wait and, and see. I'm assuming Saturday night. I guess the playoff schedule won't come out until later on. I haven't seen them announce any times for the playoffs. But I know because Seattle won, so... There's a rumor that they might get the Monday night game. Oh, really? That'd be fantastic. Yeah, that was a rumor. That I, now, I, you know, I don't want to act like other people. I read that somewhere. And wherever I read it said it was a possibility, and they came up with whatever they thought the possibility was. But as I often tell you, I really do read so much that sometimes I literally can't remember where I read it. Yeah, because they've got two games on Saturday. The 
the 3.30 and the 7.15, there are three games on Sunday at noon at 3.30, and there is a Sunday night wildcard game, 7.15 on Sunday night, and then the Monday night game, 7.15 on Monday night. So, yeah, now that I think about it, I wonder if they'd rather put them Sunday or Monday night than any time on Saturday. You got to think they would. Yeah, I would think so. So we'll see how that plays out. But there is still we have to wait and see because you and I, as we sit here and, and have this chat. The Sunday night game, if Green Bay wins, they're in the playoffs. But if they lose, then Seattle is in the playoffs. So I don't know that they'll have the times until after the Green Bay game tonight. Right. I guess is how it is. Yeah, and then you look at it. The AFC, I mean, that was, it looks like AFC is going to be, what do we have? We have Dolphins at Bills, which could be a good one. You've got Ravens at Bengals, and you've got Chargers at Jags. And that's interesting, man. I mean, the Chargers have to go all the way across the country to play Jacksonville. Did you see how Jacksonville won that game to get into the playoffs? Was that the most perfect fumble? Man. Like, you, couldn't, you, couldn't talk, you couldn't throw it to a guy better than that. It was like a bounce pass so, in basketball. Yeah, it's like Josh Dobbs is back in the pocket, gets hit from the blind side, fumbles it as his arm is going forward. And the ball bounces like toward the right sideline, like, you know, six or seven yards. And it bounces right into the hands. One bounce into the hands of a Jaguar uh, defensive player who's running, you know, obviously toward the ball and, you know, to the end. I mean, it was perfect. And then the other weird thing that happened, and this happened today on Sunday as we, as we do this, the Houston Texans – I, I, this this is just the, the most bizarre thing. And I get when you want to talk about how difficult it is, like you don't tell players and you don't tell your coach to lose on purpose, obviously. And if nothing right. proves that, this will prove it. Because Houston had a fourth and 20. They scored a touchdown on the fourth and 20 on a 28-yard touchdown pass and then went for two to win. <laughs> They convert the two and they win. And because they won, they now do not have the number one pick in the draft. That goes to the Chicago Bears. And the guy who caught the two-point conversion couldn't have been any happier. I mean, it's – it's um, I, I that's saw, what he don't give a fuck about next year, man. He might exactly. be there. He might not be there. Yeah, and I, I guarantee you their ownership and their GM was probably just pissed and screaming – because like one of my, my one of my friends is like, well, so what? They'll get either Stroud or Young anyway. I was like, yeah, maybe. Now they don't get like, say they fall in love with Bryce Young and that's the guy that they're convinced can change their franchise. Well, now the Bears aren't going to take a quarterback, but they may trade. They, I, I guarantee you, somebody's going to come at the Bears so they can jump in front of Houston and make sure they get the guy they want. Or Houston has to give up the second pick. You know, Houston's got a bunch of picks. And so you have to give up the second. You got to give up. Uh, they got to. I mean, they, you got to give up your pick, which is the second. You got to give up your second round pick, which you know they got from either theirs or somebody else. Yeah, yeah, because they got eleven picks. Yeah. Right. You got to give up. You know, a third and you know something else. Yeah, because uh, they get that pick. Where if you just don't get the hail mary, you're you're in control. Yeah, which is so nuts, man. I mean, that's just so bizarre. 
because now like like I've already seen a lot of thought that Chicago is is most likely going to trade that pick and in Chicago like to your point they don't want a quarterback so they're probably going to take either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter who are generally looked at as the top two defensive players in this draft you could tell Houston okay well, if you want the one, it's going to cost you because Houston has two picks in the first and two picks in the third. You'd have to right. then put together a package so that you can jump up and trade. Then Chicago gets extra picks and gets to draft the defensive player they wanted anyway. Yeah. I mean, I saw that happen and I just thought, you know, no wonder a franchise like Houston can never figure out how to do anything correctly. <laughs> Amen. I don't say, man. You guys, guys play to win. Because even on the Hail Mary, the guys broke the pocket, maneuvered around, kept himself alive, and threw it in the Colts guy and said, knocking it down, tried to intercept it, and went through his hand. And uh, I will say this on a Hail Mary 20 yard touchdown pass in the game, that guy was incredibly wide open in the middle of the end zone. Yeah. Like, you should never be that wide open. You should be a contested catcher. It should be a bunch of fighting. And you just happen to out jump everybody for it. We've all seen that. But once the guy missed it, it like settled right into him and he had click. There was no one around him. Yeah, man. Just absolutely just bizarre. Bizarre. But welcome to the NFL. And and you know, so now we'll see. It it's really hard just sitting here the weekend before the playoffs begin. I I can't imagine that Brock Purdy is going to take a team to the Super Bowl. But Kyle Shanahan is such a genius play caller and protects that dude from overexposing himself so well. And they finally got Debo back healthy. And it really feels like McCaff- like he got McCaffrey and is like, okay, I, like it's almost like he Jerry Jones did. He was like, well, I could take 500 quarterbacks and win the Super Bowl with that. It doesn't matter. I've got McCaffrey and Samuel and I can do what I want now. And that defense that they've got. Who's competent. Yeah, man, it is. It it feels like it's going to be really difficult to take out San Francisco. And they only gave up 216 points before tonight. Yeah. So they weren't giving up a lot of points. Um, no, I think I think you're right. They're, to me, they're better than San Francisco. Uh, because, I, you know, as we discussed the other day, their defense will travel, their run game will travel. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are two things. I was reading this tweet from Zach Martin. Uh, we do this again. We'll be sitting at home next week. Yep, so, he's I mean, right. <laughs> we all know, but uh, thanks, Zach. You know, a lot of times uh, when people put it into perspective, uh, you know, it's it just takes on a little deeper tone. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, as we sit here right now, man, I just it it feels like San Francisco is going to go to the Super Bowl this year, and. You know, the AFC to me, Cincinnati's playing out of their minds lately. Obviously, Buffalo is going to be really, really hard to beat. And that whole thing with DeMar, you, you just kind of wonder, does that galvanize them? And now they're like on a mission even deeper than for themselves. Kansas City, whoever it is, is going to have to, well, potentially go through Arrowhead. Not This is where it'll get interesting. And I can't remember the exact scenarios. But if they have to play Kansas City neutral site for the AFC championship game because of the cancellation game, I mean, that that yeah. takes a massive advantage away from Kansas City, which is why I don't think Kansas City is going to go. I, I think if, it, if we had to pick today, I would take Buffalo and San Francisco to go to the Super Bowl. That'd be a nice Super Bowl. It'd be a very nice Super Bowl. That'd be a nice Super Bowl. 
<laughs> Josh <laughs> Allen against Brock Purdy. No, Josh Allen against that defense. Yeah. Because Josh Allen makes off-scripted plays. You know, that's the whole thing. Yeah, you schemed it up, man. He, he, he broke a tackle, jumped over another dude, and, you know, threw off his back yeah. foot going the wrong way for a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, it's going to be in, – in, I don't know what the seedings are. I guess Cincinnati is a three seed. So there is a good shot. We, we may get a Buffalo-Cincinnati playoff game that'll be intense on the heels of what happened that Monday night. I mean, that'll be, that'll be wild. But it, it's – I don't know that I can – I just don't buy into any of it, – it'll be, it'll be one of those three teams in the AFC. It'll be Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. There's no way somebody else is making a run. Right. I'm not buying into that. All right. Well, this was fun. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> yes, we'll not have to do this again. Yeah, you'll he's gonna you go you'll get your computer cord and you'll get your laptop charged up and everything will be fine. Yeah, let's hope so. All right, man. Well, we'll talk to you again in a couple of days. All right, buddy. Later. All right, see you. All right, so there he is, Jean Jacques Taylor here on the on, on our Jam Session podcast, his own podcast. Brought to you, as always, by HFX Foundation Solutions. Again, with everything that all y'all in Texas dealt with last summer, and then just the the crazy heat, the massive drought, and then the deluge of rain, I bet a lot of you realize, like, wait a second, why is there so much water around my house? Holy crap, I don't have gutters? I don't have any, like, my property. HFX does that all. They're a full-service foundation repair company. They service all of DFW. They specialize in slab, pier and beam foundation repair. They can do your drainage problems, your gutter installations. They do all that. So if you see some of those things, cracks, sticking doors, soil, washout, all that type of stuff, you need to give Aaron a call. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. 817-770-0174-817-770-0174. Or you can check them out online. Easy to do that as well at HFX Foundation. Dot com. Also, of course, our buddies over there at Smokey John's Barbecue, and that is one of the things. It's interesting. I actually had barbecue tonight, but in Alabama, it's all focused on like pulled pork or smoked chicken, believe it or not. And you guys in the DFW area, you've got it, man, because there's a lot of great barbecue options, but none consistently across the board can touch what Smokey John's Barbecue is doing. And the reason why is because you guys know how this is. Like somebody will throw out a barbecue place and go, oh, oh no, make sure you get the ribs. And, the, and you might say, well, I like brisket. Nah, they're brisket. No, 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 get the ribs. Or vice versa. At Smokey John's, doesn't matter what you, you like ribs, they got it and they nail it. You like brisket, sausage, whatever it is, they are doing it at that consistently high level where you can just go in and pile up a plate. Or better yet, get the, the jam session bowl. Only available... To Jam Session listeners, the Jam Session Bowl, they created it just for us and for all of you that listen at Smokey John's. You go in there, it's fantastic. Jacques always talks about how it's impossible to eat one by yourself, and we've seen a few of you that have attempted to eat one by yourself, and only a couple of you have tweeted pictures where you actually knocked it out alone. Usually there's leftovers or you're bringing somebody along with you, but it is Smokey John's barbecue. It's right there off Mockingbird in Dallas in between 35 and Love Field. So make sure you swing by, say hello to those guys and check out that jam session bowl at Smokey John's barbecue. All right, before we wrap this up, a lot of you know that I do a radio show in Birmingham, Alabama, which is the center of the college football world. And Monday night, it's happening. The most improbable national championship game of all time 
Georgia against TCU. I mean, this truly is a David versus Goliath story. And I broke this down on the show, and I'll be spending a lot of time on it on my show on Monday. The reality of it is, on, and, th- and again, this is why you don't play games on paper. You play them on the field. On paper, TCU cannot beat Georgia. Georgia has 68 four- and five-star players. TCU has 17. Georgia across the board, you would give Georgia the advantage at every single position group. Secondary, linebackers, defensive front, Georgia. Quarterback, believe it or not, Stetson Bennett, you'd give him a slight advantage over Max Duggan. Running backs, Georgia. Offensive line, Georgia. The only group that you might say is equal because Quentin Johnson is the best receiver in this game, the kid from TCU, you might want to sit here and say, okay, well, Georgia's receiving options are equal with TCU's receiving options because Georgia has Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers who might just be the two best tight ends in college football. This is going to be an interesting game. TCU is going to have to win the turnover margin. They only lost it one time all year. TCU, think about that. In all the games they played, 14 games, only once did they lose the turnover margin to Kansas State in the Big 12 title game when they lost. Georgia doesn't turn the ball over a lot. This is a very efficient team that's playing at a very high level and has been all year. You can look at the fact that they got ripped up by C.J. Stroud and Ohio State, and you might say, well, LSU did that to them too. Well, Georgia had put up 50 points and went into a shell defense just trying to get out of the game when Jaden Daniels started slinging it all over the field on them. But what Ohio State did the reality of it is, as a group, Ohio State has better overall receivers than TCU. Ohio State has one of the two best college quarterbacks in the game. So this is going to be really interesting. Can TCU win? Because I've had people ask, well, do you think TCU can win? Yes, they can. I don't think they will. It's actually hard because nobody can predict. I don't like tonight with the Cowboys. Nobody believes the Cowboys are going to go out there and put out an effort like we just saw. Otherwise, you would have predicted they were going to get their ass kicked. I don't believe, like, if, if you say TCU is going to play their A game and Georgia is going to play their A game, Georgia wins this game by a minimum of 17 points. Minimum. You look at it in the last two seasons. Georgia's played 29 games in the last two seasons so far. They've lost once. In their other 28 games, only three times did they play a game that was decided that they won by less than double digit. The Ohio State game, they won by one. Earlier this year, they kind of had a Cowboys night when they played Missouri on the road in Missouri. They, it was a weird game. They were off. They won by four. And then the season opener in 2021 when they beat Clemson by seven. That's it. Generally speaking, Georgia wipes teams off the field. They've got defensive speed, size all across the board. It, it's, it's really, really difficult Without Georgia helping them, and this is where things can change. The returner that TCU has, that dude is capable of running back a couple of punts. He's He ran back two this year. He, I believe I want to say, if I remember correctly, Darius Davis is who I'm talking about. He was third in the country in punt returns this year, averaged about 15 per. Special teams in a game like this. What if he breaks one for a touchdown? What if he is able to, they get Georgia... And instead of having to start a drive on their own 17, they get to start a drive on their 40 because he had a 23-yard return, what have you. Little things like that are how TCU can help to fuse the talent gap, so to speak. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this turns out 
on Monday night, that and turnovers. Can you catch Georgia like they were against Ohio State flat in the first quarter? Stetson Bennett threw a pick, missed a couple of throws, didn't look too good. If you can do that, then TCU can hang. Because let's all keep this in mind. TCU, Michigan. TCU was up 21 to 6 at the half. TCU ended up winning the game by six points, a game in which they gave up 39 points in the second half, which is the most points that any team in college football has given up in the second half of a game and still won in 18 years. And TCU had two pick sixes and recovered a fumble in the end zone and still only won by six points. And that's why when I look at this, I, I, I don't see, and maybe it does happen, I don't see Stetson Bennett in Georgia throwing two pick sixes and fumbling into the end zone. And if those types of things don't happen, TCU is not going to win. Now, can they happen? Sure. I don't know how you predict that. But again, that's why you play. That's why I say, okay, well, on paper, it's this, but you don't play the games on paper. That being said, I do think Georgia is going to win their second consecutive national championship. They are a better team. They should win. They have colossally more talent and speed across the board than TCU does. I'd love personally to see TCU win. I know a lot of people that went to TCU and Jacques and I were doing our radio show. And some of you may remember some of these names, but we had a couple of guys that used to work on the show from us from time to time. Chris Gross and Harrison Graham. They both went to TCU. They're huge TCU people. I'd love to see those guys get to know and experience what it's like to win a national championship. I've got many friends that I went to high school with that went to, to that I, I waited tables with. Back in the day, I waited tables at a TGI Fridays about a mile, mile and a half from the campus of TCU. So I've spent a lot of time on that campus. I've been around it a lot. I, I'd, I'd love to see them win. It'd be an incredible story and it'd be awesome for so many people that I know. I just don't think they will. I think Georgia is just too good. They are on a very elite level, a very special level, and it's going to take something unforeseen to be able to do that. Because to me, this is a 38 to 17 type Georgia win. But you get a pick six, you get a fumble in the end zone, you get a couple of balls that bounce your way. The next thing you know, you're hanging around. And if Georgia's in a tight game in the fourth quarter, as we know, anything can happen. All right, hopefully Jacques is going to be able to grab a cord to charge his laptop. And if that happens, the next time we'll be able to do the podcast the normal way where he's down line and we just kind of connect that way. But special circumstances tonight, I still wanted to jump on and at least give you guys a podcast, talk about the game, express our frustrations. I get it. I understand it. I was born into a Cowboys family. As many of you know, I, I in my lifetime do not recall not watching a Cowboy game. The entire time I've been alive. Don't know what that's like because all I know in my family on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays now, whatever, you watch the Cowboys play. It's what you do. And I've done that every Sunday, every weekend of every NFL season ever since I was old enough to remember doing that. So I understand the frustrations. I understand the heartbreak and I get why there's so much negativity and why there's so much irritation and frustration I get why you get pissed off like that and you want to say, well, there it is, one and done again because that's what they do. We know that this team is full of the one and dones. I mean, three playoff wins since 2009. And the funny thing is, is really, if you go back to 2009, when 
what is that, the last however many years. And they won a game in 09, lost in the divisional round. Won a game in 2014, lost in the divisional round. Won a game in 2018, lost in the divisional round. So really, out of the last five times they've made the playoffs, they have not been one and done. They've been two and done. <laughs> the last five times they've made the playoffs, they've, they've advanced in, in three of those five trips. Can they get it done this time? Can they win on the road in the playoffs? For the first time since they went to San Francisco in 1992 and knocked off the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl on a road NFC championship game. That is the last time the Dallas Cowboys won a playoff game on the road. And that's what's so wild about it, I guess, when you look at this whole thing, because you look at it since then, 94, everybody remembers that, lost in San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. 96, lost to Carolina. 99, lost in Minnesota. 03, lost in Carolina. 06, obviously the Romo fumbled snap, lost in Seattle. 09, after they beat the Eagles in the wild card round, lost in Minnesota. Then, of course, the trip to Green Bay in 2014, lost in Green Bay, and obviously, a couple of years back, well, wow, I guess that's five years ago now, four years ago, lost on the road in Los Angeles. Can they snap that streak and get a road playoff game? We'll find out next weekend. Cowboys, Tampa Bay, a wild card playoff game as their season continues. Better to be in the playoffs than not. I'll take it. I'd rather be watching them than sitting at home like they have so many years in the past. Have a great week, everybody. We will check in with you again. We'll have another version coming your way on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.